Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. All right, Chelsea fans. So what you're about to see is an interview we got to do with club legend Bobby Tambling. Uh, Nick, continuing the DNA series, what are the listeners, viewers going to get? Bobby gives an incredibly fun historical account of, of his time at Chelsea, kind of setting the foundation for where the club is today, Dan. It was pretty special. Yeah, so you're going to want to pay attention or watch slash listen to this. You don't want to miss what Bobby had to say about his time at Chelsea. So like when you joined the club up to like that cup final, kind of what were Chelsea like back then within the league and as a we club? We were a good side. We were a good side in the 60s. Um, when Jimmy Greaves left the club in 61, I think it was 61, um, and went to Milan, everybody said, you're going to struggle. And everybody wasn't wrong. You know, you know, we missed him badly. And they said, you'll be relegating. And sure enough, we, we were. We, we weren't that bad, but we, we didn't get enough points to keep ourselves in the league. But um, what Tommy done at that stage was that um, he had a lot of good young players, a bit like you know what we are situation we're in now, um, and um, there was a lot of good players coming through the youth scheme, and he put it to the older players, you know they either worked with him or you know like they could leave mm-hmm. and well you know a few of them left you know they'd sort of come into the near end of their careers so they thought they'd move on where they could and so that opened the door for more younger 
place. And um, we actually won promotion the next year, which was superb, like, you know, because there was eight of us playing in that side that had all come through what was then called, well, I'd say academy, no. <laughs> we, we didn't have a posh name like that. We were, we were grown staff boys. And um, it, um, you know, like the, the grown staff was a good teaching for us mm -hmm. because, you know, like you, you didn't get a big head that you were at Chelsea and that you were playing for a big club like that because you were, you were sort of like uh, cleaning down the terracins, cleaning out the dressing rooms. But the one good thing that come out of it for us was that we got to know the senior players, you know, like you know, cleaning their boots and having the joke with them. And um, if you were cheeky back, they threw you in the bath. Like, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it was all good fun, but you felt that you was being, you know, getting to know them and, and you, you did know them and you could talk to them like, you know, they weren't sort of overpowering us. Right. And um, so when we come into the side and, and there was eight of us, um, there was a tremendous camaraderie about the lads because we'd played youth football and so forth all together and um, that made a big difference to us. Was, like there, was there one player that helped you integrate into the side that kind of helped bring you through as, as kind of like a senior mentor type? Um, well, you know, like there was, there was odd players that had come in you know, like you know, Tommy had bought um, Eddie McCready mm -hmm. and he, he, he'd come in and Marvin Hinted had been come from Charlton. I mean, Eddie, to me, Eddie and Ken Shalito were a, a, a great pairing for fullbacks. They were completely opposites. Like, you know, Eddie was sort of all far and go, like, you know, and Ken was more sort of steady Eddie. Uh, you know, like, and he, he played, you know, like, stylish football. But um, I think the big change in Chelsea at the early 60s was Dave Sexton coming in as coach. Dave was a fantastic coach. And um, it just, you know, like, his whole idea was to improve all of us, you know. And I, I can't think of anyone that didn't improve you know, like in the standard of football, you know, under him, like, you know, they, they, we all sort of learned something from him. And um, it was great to see, you know, like, we, we bought a lad at the time called Johnny Boyle, from, you know, down from Scotland. Now, John was wholehearted, you know, like, he gave you everything he had. But his footballing, you know, like, you know, like he was there for, you know, the effort and, you know, like the work he put in. But over the, you know, like first few years, he learned so much from Dave. Mm -hmm. He became a, a really good stylish player, like, you know, with a lot of skill. But Dave had some great, great ideas. And um, he was a great believer of the Hungarians in the 50s, late 50s. And we picked up a lot of those ideas, you know, uh, when I say picked up, we were taught every afternoon, you know, and, um, you know, like it was good, you know, like it's enjoyable because we were learning something, and, you know, we, we learned, we were probably one of the first clubs to do the overlap, you know. Really? Mm. Yeah, and, um, you know, like, I can remember him coming to me and saying, 
Um, what would you do in this situation? He, he sort of pointed you know, on the table to the right winger, Bertie Murray, and he said, what if Bertie gives, um, has got the ball? Uh, what, what run would you make? And I said, in there, in behind the fullback. I said, that's the shortest route. He said, no, no. He said, that's not the best move. So I said, why? You know? He said, well, your man will run with you. And the fullback will stay with Bert. So we've not gained anything. You know, like the, we're still, you know, we've got marking. He said, if you give it to Bert and then go round him, your man don't know what to do. He don't know whether to stay with Bert. And, and what used to happen is what he said, you know, like between them, they, they don't know who's <laughs> going to pick up the runner. Right. And the runner's through. But even, even if, you know, like we'd done it like that, we left a hole here. There was no one in there. Mm -hmm. And, and Bert could come inside or push it to someone else who's moved into the hole. Right. So if you don't move, um, you don't make holes in the defence, you know, because if you run, the, the fellow who's marking you has got to run with you or let you go and, and risk the, you know, the fact that you're, he hopes you don't get the ball somewhere serious. And um, when you think of today's football, you know, like we, we try to point that out to people, mm -hmm. you know, like they, you know, like if the idea is to keep the ball, but um, they tend to keep the ball <laughs> and stand still. You know, like, you know, how often do you see the ball sort of pass 10, 15 yards inside to the midfield or going across the field mm -hmm. and if they get closed down they give it back to this guy straight away and he's still in he still stood where he passed the ball from and you've got to go forward surely right you know i mean they they pointed out in one world cup i think it was either 66 or just after 70 that um the um most goals come from that world cup from the least amount of passes in the move so that they scored more goals from three passes to, you know, like, I mean, no. I mean, if you you done that today, <laughs> you'd lose count of how many passes it, it takes. And, it, and it's, you know, it's not sort of um, rocket science. Mm -hmm. You know, like to know that if you're passing the ball in your own half, they're filling their half with their... Right. The rest of the yeah. team. Getting their numbers know? behind. You know, so you're going through, instead of going... Um, you know, through the just the defence mm -hmm. when you attack quick, um, you're going through eight or nine, trying to get through past eight or nine, and they're picking up the runners and everything. But um, you know, like we we had a shock. I don't, were you were you here Tuesday or Wednesday? Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, it was we fun. Had, <laughs> we had we had a, a lesson there um, from Grimsby. Yeah, we were two nil up, and you know you'd think oh, we'd taken control of it, but Grimsby were real old English, if you know, like you don't want it, and uh, you could see what the centre forward, right, just looking at him, he was going to be a bully boy, mm -hmm. you know, and put himself about, and the keeper took it, you know, took the tremendous long kick, and he I'd, he went up for it, and you know, with the centre half, and I don't think either of them got a touch, but you know, and it went over their head, and the fella ran onto it and scored a really good goal. He scored a good goal. It's a good volley. 
Yeah. You uh, you mentioned that you know you you know kind of took this situation that we have right now where we're seeing a lot of academy players or you know coming up into the team, kind of similar to what you experienced as the the grounds boys getting a chance to play for the first team. How exciting is that for you as someone who came up and then made their way into the first team to see that happening now again at Chelsea? Well, I can only talk from my experience. Um, I, myself and Barry Bridges, we were in the same digs from the day I joined the club and uh, we got on very well. He was just, you know, like five or six months older than myself, but we, were, we got on really well and we played in the youth team together. And then um, I, one week he was playing in the reserves. He knew that he was playing in the reserves. And I had a feeling I was playing in the juniors because I hadn't played out of the juniors. And the week before we actually got asked to go with the first team, I'd played with the juniors at uh, our ground, the juniors ground, mm-hmm. in front of 12 people, you know, supporters. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, like with that, um, Ted Drake, the manager in those days, um, pulled us in and said, look, I said, we've got, you know, problems with you know one or two players injured um, I'm going to bring you into the squad and he said I'm most likely to give you a game well Bridge and I were too excited to, you know sort of and you know like Friday night we still didn't know whether we were playing mm-hmm. we'd been told that, that there was a big possibility that we would be in a team so we were ringing family and family were ringing us I never stopped and when we came in we were told by Mr. Blake that we were definitely in the team and we had a team talk. We were all right until we had a team talk and the, the manager starts telling everybody what's expected from him and you're sitting there and you think, God, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you think, this is going to be interesting, like you're worried about it. And um, yeah, when we went down the dressing room, am I talking too much? Or no, too no. Much? no. Okay. This is um, enjoyable. The, uh, the older boys, the senior boys, you know, like could see that we were nervous. And, you know, like the captain, Peter Sillett, came over to me and he said, um, are you nervous? I said, I'm very nervous, Peter. He said, come with me a minute. So he took me from the dressing room through the door to the showers and bathroom and toilets. He said, oh, look at that toilet there. And there was smoke billowing out the top of the toilet. <laughs> you know? I said, who's smoking before the game? He said, it's um, the goalkeeper, Reg Matthews. <laughs> I said, he's a bloody English international. He said, well, that's it. He said, we all could get hit by nerves. He said, in fact, you need your nerves because it sharpens you up for the game, like you know that there's a you know, big moment coming. And, uh, you know, I think that eased their nerves. Well, we went on the pitch, and in 30 minutes, both Barry and myself had scored. <laughs> and Dream debut. The first of many. <laughs> and, well, at the time, like, you know, like people ask me what's the most important goal, and I always say that one, mm-hmm. you know, like, because it was the first of, you know, sort of, some to come and um, we they pulled it back to two each Jimmy Grease was still with us at that day mm-hmm. and he scored the winner 
and we went in and we, everybody was as pleased as punch and um, uh, the lads started giving us a bit of a, you know, sort of roasting like, you know, and they, <laughs> they said, can we talk to you now, like, you know, now you're a big star and all that. <laughs> and they, uh, I said, well, can you tell us one thing? They said, they asked us what we were going to do with our bonus, like our win bonus. So I said, can I ask you, how much is the win bonus? Because Bridger and I don't know. They said, four pounds. So I looked at Bridger and he was as shocked as what I was like, you know, and he's, I said, that's, do you know that's half our week's wages? <laughs> <laughs> and that just sort of, that makes people, when you tell that story to people, yeah. you know, like, they think, you know, because footballers are paid so much mm-hmm. now, they th- I think they thought footballers back in that, that, that day was the same. But I mean, that is what, I'm not, I'm not sort of telling you a jokey lie. That, that is what we was on, right? And um, you know, like we we were we were pleased as punch, and um, you know, like it was you know like start of things to come. Yeah. But um, you know, like going back to the original, you know, like, like talking about so many of us in the side, mm-hmm. you know, like they just didn't get put in there, you know, like because they were young, they mm-hmm. were put in there because they were good players waiting, and um, the fact that we were young and all you know all, all battling together we worked really hard for each other and um, you know and, and as I said before when Dave came along he taught us the overlap and he we practiced that for weeks you know every afternoon we do our work in the morning and in the afternoon we would do the skills and he had everybody on both sides you know making sure that they they done what he was looking for and you know like what people don't realize is that you can do the overlap and you can put the cross in anytime you're in their half you know you don't have to be on the edge of the box or near the end, end line in fact you're better off when you're 18 or 20 yards out because it, it, you know like we were taught once we got you know clear that you know the ball you, you know like we was early when we were younger, we were told get to the end line and cut the ball back. Mm-hmm. But if you do that, you know, like what's happening now mm-hmm. today, you know, like they fill the, you know, front of the box, you know, the players, and everyone's marked. But if you do what we were doing, you know, like the defence was sort of like here, and we, you know, like just push it past like David Beckham mm-hmm. used to do. Mm-hmm. He didn't really go past fullbacks; he just pushed the ball past. And then followed it, and then hit it in with a curve on it, and you know put it round the back of it. And what what was what we were taught was that the two of us at striking, Bridger and myself, we we didn't have to look up to see where the guy was going to put it. We knew where it was going, mm-hmm. and he knew where to put it. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to look up to see where we were. Right. And um, you know, like it, I know it sounds simple, but it it, it turned out to be simple. Because they, they put it in there, the keeper doesn't like to come out if it's tight in his box. Mm-hmm. And if it's further up, it gives us a you know a good chance to get on the ball and get it under control before we, we're in the box. Yeah. And um, we scored many goals like that. Many goals. You scored and not many just, goals like that. <laughs> not just the two of us. Uh, funny enough, the year we went down after Breezy left, we scored 39 between us 
to Bridge Island myself. And we thought we'd done well, like, you know, this was sort of three quarters of the way through the, the league season. And, um, you know, like, we still went down. And when we got talking, we said, we scored 39 between us. Jimmy scored 41 on his own yes. <laughs> the year before. I said, there's still some way to go. And, uh, <laughs> and um, but um, as I say, it was as much teamwork right. as it was individual skills. Do you uh, see, as I say, do you see kind of like a lot of where the team has been and like kind of through the decades up to this point, have there been like certain things that Chelsea have kept consistent with their teams over the years? I think so. I mean, the modern uh, era, you know, you, you, you know, sort of not this style of football today because I don't know. I don't know if the fans like it, but, you know, a lot of us older players, we used to play and, you know, get the ball forward quickly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, you know, work on that, like, you know. And, um, so not the Pep Guardiola pass, pass, no, pass, pass, pass. No, we're, we're not pass, pass, pass. Mm-hmm. We used to do something like that in, in uh, the start of training. Sure. And um, the whole idea was a warm-up. It was a good warm-up. But you'd have, say, you know, ten aside. And you had to pass the ball ten times without the other side touching mm-hmm. it. And if you did, you scored. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a goal, like. Right. You know? But it was hard work, you know, because you had to win the ball off them mm-hmm. in, a, in a sort of fairly small area. And um, that's what we call it, like, that's the, what they're playing out there today. You know, like that's how they play. You know, they keep the ball. You know, don't let the other side have it. But you know, like like the fellow in Grimsby fella, mm-hmm. he, he should have taught people that you know, a long ball isn't a bad ball. You know, yeah. puts you out of your own defence. It puts your, you know, if you've got the players aware that this fella's going to perhaps get a head on, and you know they're through. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got no defenders between him and the and the goal. Right. And you know, like it's as simple. You know, it sounds simple, mm-hmm. but it was simple. Strong um, and direct. Kind yeah. of That Chelsea is that's yeah. especially you know in the early two thousands we yeah. saw a lot of that. Well, you know, like through the sixties, we we would have been in, like in the modern day. Now they they talk about oh are they a top four team or a top six team. We'd have been classed in that area. We we were sort of regularly in the top four, mm-hmm. without winning anything. And the fact that we went through the sixties and the only thing we won was a league cup, you know, in sixty five, and um, we felt that we we had not done well enough. But <clears throat> we'd made Chelsea a steady, eddy side, like you know that we were always up there, you know difficult to beat, no one liked players, you know, because we, Dave had us out and he taught us a very um, important rule and if you coach, well I, I've coached, you know, but not not big sides, you know, like I lived out in Ireland doing it and I always taught the sides that the most important time in a game is when the, you lose the ball and the side that wins the ball best out of the two teams when they haven't got it mm-hmm. usually ends up winning the game because they have more of the ball right you know like they take the ball back um so if you can't win it back so he, he told us that the defense started from number nine 
You know, like mm-hmm. he was the first line of defence. So there was none of this, I'm a forward, I don't run back or I don't chase the defender or anything. And so he, he you know, like as I say, he used to coach us every afternoon and, and he'd have us all out there learning, you know, teaching us how to tackle, you know, you know, sort of get in the way of people and so forth. And um, that helped the defence. You know, like, because they, they had less attacks to, you know, sort of mm-hmm. see to. Right. And, um, you know, like, it, it was, you know, like, sort of simple, but, you know, hard for us to work at it because we have been taught something that we... Uh, I mean, how often do you see, and this drives me wild as a forward, you know, like, the balls in, in our heart, and it goes forward, and... and our forwards are still walking out. Offside. They're not in position, you know, like to receive the ball. They're still, mm-hmm. you know, like they're taking their rest in the wrong place. You know, like they should get back. And if they want a breather, that's where they, you know, like they're in the best place for it. Right. We weren't in the in the best of moods in 67 because we'd just been beaten in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. And to be quite honest, we were so poor in the game that we couldn't get out of this country quick enough because none of us wanted to read the, you know, the reports in, in the, the papers because we, we know we was going to get slated like you. And people still today ask, you know, what went wrong? Because we were a fairly good side. And, you know, we'd beaten Leeds in the semi-final for a change. And, um, you know, because we'd lost two semi-finals before, you know, we beat Leeds. And uh, we were getting a little bit fed up with going out at that stage. Sure. But um, Tommy Doherty, who was managing it mm-hmm. at the time, I think he felt that we were going to be nervous. And he, he kept us relaxed, but I think he might have kept us too relaxed. You know, like, because, mm-hmm. you know, like there was, you know, like, they had a barber in, you know, Friday night and everybody was having their hair done, you know, for the television and everything. And, you know, like, uh, Tommy was a funny guy, like, you know, he was a sort of, you know, good comedian. Oh, yeah. And he kept yeah. us all, you know, laughing. And when we came to the game, what was great about it, that, that was the only thing that I took out from it, was that when we went down, you in those days, you drove down Wembley Way. Mm-hmm. And all the fans, all the blue fans, and it was just great to see them. Finally, you got to Wembley, like you know, and they were as pleased as punch, you know, to be walking down there, going into Wembley, and that that sort of you know made us happy. Um, but when we walked out on Wembley, I think we froze, you know, like this when we walked out to see what the pitch was mm-hmm. like, you know, what it's going to be like. And I think we suddenly realised, God, God, we're here. Something that we'd sort of been fighting to do for four or five seasons and um, you know we played like we were frozen Uh, we really didn't make much you know impact on the game and even when we scored when we were 2-0 down we scored there was about I'd say 10 minutes left you'd think in a cup corner like that you'd you know, rally. hammer them, yeah. like you know, and as you say, rally and sort of just keep on pumping it into the box. It, it, it sort of just petered out, and we petered out like yeah, you know, we hadn't got even started like you, know. 
And people say, how did you get on? I said, God, I was so bad, I couldn't believe it, it was me. You know, like, um, Kilner, Kinner was marking me, and I'd done more chasing him than he'd done chasing me, like, you know. <laughs> I, I sort of, he kept on going up and tacking, I was, I was defect, you know, running with him. Mm -hmm. I thought, God, I'm not going past him, I'm not going the other way, like, you know. But, I don't know, it, it, it just didn't happen the day. Um, I can't. I can't think of nearly anyone that um, played to their normal, up to their normal standard. You know, like um, this didn't happen for us. So your two hundred two goals, just a casual two hundred two, um, <laughs> our second time or second all time at Chelsea. Um, Talk to us about your mentality to score that many goals. And obviously, you know, Frank is back and you guys kind of share those those kind of qualities. What was the mentality back in the day and, and how can how can you relate to, to what Frank's doing now? I, I, I don't think, first of all, it, it's something that you've inherited, really. Mm -hmm. It's part and parcel of you. Um, and you want to love to score goals. And um, that doesn't mean that say that you don't pass the ball. You know, like people often ask me, no, did you get extra money for the scoring a goal? And I said, no, because I didn't want it. I said, because it would teach you to be selfish. You know, like, because, you know, like us, and if you had that sort of idea in the club, it would teach other players to be, you know, like instead of passing it square, you know, make a goal easy. You know, like they'd go for something that was nearly up, near on impossible. Mm -hmm. And so you'd lose goals more than make them. And, um, you know, like, you can't teach players to be goal scorers, you know, because if you could, there'd be hundreds of goal scorers. <laughs> there, isn't there? You know, like, I'm not, you know, not, right. you know, but it, that, that's the idea of it, isn't mm -hmm. it? You know, like, you know, you usually sort of teach them certain things. You know, you can't, it, you know, that desire that oh, I want to score has got to be in you, you know, right, right from the start. And uh, if I showed you my, my um, school, when I left school, they'd done a, you know, like a yearly magazine. Mm -hmm. And in it they'd put, um, you know, like the sports report. And, um, uh, they gave, they gave this football, soccer uh, report in there and they put the fixtures and we won games. No, no, you might think, God, we're playing the blind school now or you know, something like that because it's the scoreline. Yeah. But what it was, our school had been um, pushed together. There was two or three schools from different districts mm -hmm. that were small schools and so we were condensed into one big school. So we had, you know, more pupils to mm -hmm. choose from and we we scored tens and things like that and I have to laugh when I look at the paper I'm too embarrassed to show it to people because there's Tamley 9 you know Tamley 8 and and things like this right through it mm -hmm. and I think that, that this shows the desire that you had to be there you know you, you sort of didn't mind you know, like sort of scoring the goals, you wanted to score goals. And, um, you know, like, the thing about goal scorers, they anticipate. They don't wait 
to see if the ball's going to, they anticipate the ball's going to. And, and that's what Frank was brilliant at. You know, like, he anticipated, you know, like the ball coming in, you know, like, and he'd make a, you know, a bigger effort to get in the box. Right. Know, like, and I always used to tell him that when he crossed the halfway line, his mindset was changed from midfield to a scorer, <laughs> you know, a striker. You know, like, because he definitely took all the striking, you know, like, he, he'd make a run from the edge of the box and he'd cut across, or he'd look as though he's cutting across mm -hmm. the near post, and then he'd nick out and go to the far post, and the marker would be still travelling towards the near post. Right. And it, at the end, he'd just nod it over the line, you know, and, and that, that's what made him so great. Um, you know, like, I mean, he had a terrific shot. Um, and, um, you know, like, he, he was a great worker mm -hmm. for the club. I mean, he, he, it's not as though he played inside forward or midfield and, you know, never got any work done because he still played really solidly at what he was, you know, in the side to do. But he had the extra urgency to an ambition mm -hmm. and um, you know incentive to get into the box to score goals and yeah. I mean that's what he's done yeah he's looking for me. sounds good thank you so much Bobby thank you Bobby it's great thank you thank pleasure you very much I Bobby, appreciate it. thank you